future. What star is that? to the planet earth you know what it is bishop chronicles chilling and police terror it's a hashtag um i'm chilling today with somebody i've known for a while but we we don't get to kick it like we should kick it um and he is um honestly one of the most inspiring rappers that that i've come across in the last 20 years. I would say that, like inspiring. One of the things that happened recently, uh, I was talking to some kids and I said, hey, um, what y'all want to listen to? And they was like, this was years ago. And he was like, oh, we want to listen to Fetty Wap and we want to listen to that. And they, all this stuff that I didn't want to play in class because we were teaching chess. And I said, do any of you have a song that inspires you mm. that you would like to hear? And no one said a word. And that's when I knew hip hop had actually changed. Because hip hop would always you know, I'm a dope man. Yeah, boy, wear corduroy. That was always part of the vibe. But there was also this knowledge vibe and aspire and, you know, stay strong and weather the storm and you can do it. And none of these kids, these were sixth graders, but you know what I mean? This was about six years ago and these were sixth graders, but this was their, this was their reality. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I had to go back and think back to the first song that I knew you for. And it was only life I know. Only Life I Know was my introduction to you as an artist. And I don't think I've ever even told you that, but it is. And um, there's a very short list of rap songs that can bring me to tears. That is one of them. <laughs> That's when I know that an, that an artist is actually dope. If I can get this slow trembling thing over here. Yeah, the lip quiver. He's spitting. <laughs> That's real talk. You know what I'm saying? If you um, breathe in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, you crying, Dees? Dees don't cry. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah, exactly. There's no so, crying in chest. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I just wanted to say, like, um, I appreciate you as an artist for, for being a, a source of inspiration for a lot of these years. And um, I just wanted to open with thank you. you Man, know? that means a lot coming from you because you are a legend, uh, you know, especially uh, for, for folks that know real hip hop on in the West and in Cali and in the Bay. I know you know, so that means a lot coming from you. Thank you, man. No, thank you. And so I just really kind of wanted to, and you know, full disclosure for anybody who's watching, me and him ain't talked in a long time. So this is about yep. to be an interview slash friend catch up, okay? Yep. You may get weird. That's what we're here for, man. Um, you know, uh, a few episodes back, I did a thing called Is Hip Hop Anti-Cop? And the whole thing was looking at all of the different anti-cop songs and then looking at all of the injustice that black people have been enduring and then saying, hey, look, you know, uh, what they're saying is a fair, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a fairly fair critique. And when I did that, people were like, yo, you can't make a, a podcast like that, blah, blah, blah. And that was like three weeks before George Floyd. So then when George Floyd happens now, and I made a Spotify list called 
uh, anti-cop hip hop so that people could look at, you know, whether it's uh, NWA or, you know what I mean? Whoever, right? Boom, 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 boom. So then once George Floyd happened, everybody's like, yo, man, you, 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 you want some prophecy, boy. You know what I'm saying? You be knowing. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just black in America. It's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. Yeah. That. And to be a hip hop head, no, you know that hip hop has always given voice to that. Mm -hmm. Even before, even before after police, that was the, just the first anthem. Real. I mean, there's stuff before that. So I just wanted to catch up with you and see like, how has, you know, what has it been like for you since George Floyd being from where you're from? Yeah, so I'm broadcasting from South Minneapolis. When I first moved to Minneapolis, I lived in North Minneapolis, which is a um, predominantly a historically black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's almost entirely black. It's starting to get gentrified a little bit now, but for the most part, it's a black neighborhood. And, you know, it's interesting because that's a really industrial part of the city. Mm. Uh, there's only one or no two, there's one highway that goes through that part and there's only two ways to get on and off the highway. Mm. Um, really isolated, very industrial. Like I said, Minnesota is known for a lot of lakes, but there's no lakes on the north side, the lakes are on the south side. Okay. And so, you know, when I moved to Minneapolis, I was 14 turning 15 and I lived on the north side for, you know, 10 plus years, my most formative years. That's mm -hmm. where I became um, that's where I, my, you know, I was when I wrote my first album, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And then my wife, my, I met my wife in New York. My wife is from the Bronx. Okay. Boogie down. So, yeah. And so when she came to Minnesota, she was like, no, like I did not come <laughs> from the Bronx to the middle of nowhere to move from one hood to another hood. Like, <laughs> like I, when I thought this was going to be a step up. <laughs> and I mean, happening? I'm North Northside is cool. Like, it's nice. Like, it's not, you know, it's not. But I mean, you know, there's there's gunshots and there's all of that kind right. of stuff. And so South Minneapolis is more diverse uh, economically, racially, you know, atmospheres from South Minneapolis. That's okay. why I didn't really meet them till later. People mm. think of African white, but both of them, their dad, I'm trying to, so their, their moms are white, both slug and aunt. Okay. Their dads are black, white, and native. Interesting. So, so if you look at their dads, you're seeing like obviously black men. Like Anthony's right. dad is Jerome Davis, like Ant from Atmosphere. His name is Anthony Jerome Davis and his dad right. is Jerome Davis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Both of it. It's funny because I remember uh, Evidence didn't believe me when I was first telling him that. I was like, no. <laughs> he was like, like, no, but. He was like, no, they're white, white. <laughs> and it's funny because people always think that Ev is like Puerto Rican or Mexican or something. Right. And uh <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, he was like, no, they're just, you know. But then he was like, yo, Slug's dad looks like Planet Asia. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, so deep. Yeah, man. And so, but I mean, that's really common for South Minneapolis. Black, white, native. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might be, you might pass for white. Right. Uh, you know, so, so Slug's brother, Slug has two biological brothers. One of them looks white. Like right. looks, he actually looks like Alec Baldwin, mm, mm -hmm, and then he has mm -hmm. another brother that looks black and slug kind of right. like in the middle. That's crazy. But, yeah, so South Minneapolis is is really diverse, and that's where we live now. Mm -hmm. uh, we lived here for the last ten years. We live uh, right now. We're we live in like a really like working class neighborhood, so we're like a mile from where George Floyd was killed. Um, 
you know, his fiance, uh, shout out to Courtney, his fiance is an epic Brother Ali fan. Like I've, I've heard of her. She's like a legendary fan. Wow. Her and her kids. So, and I've heard about her for years. Like people would be like, the man, the lady that runs my coffee shop is the biggest Brother Ali fan on earth. I've heard about this woman and we've met a couple of times, but right. I wasn't really clear on like, that's who that is. Right. Um, but she was engaged to Floyd. Mm. And um, so I saw somebody, like a, a journalist, like posted a picture of her and her and the kids out protesting, and they were all wearing my shirts. Mm. And I was like, "Yo, what's up with I that?" And then people were like, "Somebody hit me up and was like, that's her. Like that's right. The, that's, you know, right." So um, you know, and when the city was burning, man, like we were out at night protecting our homes. Um, you know, in South in North Minneapolis, the black neighborhood, you know, there was like the actual people protesting. Then you had people destroying things and that's really unclear. There definitely were agent provocateurs in Dude. full effect like there always are. Um, the person that started the destruction, um, it really appeared like there's video of him. Mm -hmm. He's a white man dressed in all black and he had a black uh, umbrella. Mm -hmm. He gets out of his car, he walks up with, he has a hammer and he's breaking the windows at uh, AutoZone. And the people are filming him like, bro, what are you doing? And this is like day two of the protest. Mm -hmm. He gets back in his car and he leaves. And then this woman on Facebook that lives in this area in the suburbs was like, yo, that's my ex-boyfriend. He's a cop. I saw that. Yeah. You know, um, and so that was going on. But then once the burning started, then people started coming from out of town to take advantage of it. So and in North Minneapolis, sad, bro. The that black happened side in St. Louis too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Ferguson, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's happened over and over again, man. So yeah, on the north side of town, which is black, there were white, straight, like white supremacist groups out there with guns threatening people. Mm. Or on this side of town that's mixed and working class, uh, it was anarchists. And they Dude, the anarchists have been hijacking yeah. nonviolent movements since the 90s. Do you know, I stopped doing public speaking because of them. I would uh, go speak for Mumia. I would go speak for political prisoners. And these dudes would show up, start breaking stuff. And I was like, you know what? I don't want my name attached to the reason why someone got hit in the face with a rubber bullet. Got, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'm done. And I stopped public speaking for a really long time. And, and their disruption and hijacking of our nonviolence has been a big problem. And the Bay has been hip to that. Like, yeah. you know that I spent four years off and on in the Bay. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? I was, I was in um, West Oakland for a while, and then I was right. in Fremont for a in while. In Fremont. And um, all the organizers I know out there, they're all super hip to that. Dude, it's such a problem. Thing. It's such a problem. And I knew it was going to be a problem this time, and I wasn't shocked, you know, um, and it's um it's it's very troubling, man. It's very troubling. They're hella organized though. Yeah. Like they, they have protocols that they follow. Like basically they they steal vehicles. So like, you know, I have four kids, so we have a minivan. Mm. Uh, you know, the Muslim mom mobile. You know, <laughs> You're so. right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> like <laughs> Baby pull up, open the door, right. zook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every mosque got a gang events and every family got seven, eight. Mm -hmm. Like, if you, I, like, I had to have four kids just so that Uber drivers would believe I'm actually Muslim. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But so 
but that's what they're stealing. So like they steal, they steal vehicles that can carry a lot of people. They uh, rip off the license plates. They cover the the like side windows of like vans or trucks with they have like tarps and like paper that they put up in the window so you can't see who's inside. And if they get if you if you confront them, they're 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 not violent on the individual level. So like if you confront them, they'd run away. If the police pull them over, pull pull them over, they all break out. They scatter. Right. And their thing is to just destroy. Right. Like they want to burn down. They tried to burn down the library in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to burn down man. like individual homes. For the record, anybody burning books is a demon. Like I really, I'm afraid of book burning people. I think that's one of the most dangerous things in the history of man's actions is to burn books, man. If you're trying to burn a library, that's like a sin against centuries of people. Yeah, I just realized um, the brother Pigeon John, you know Pigeon John? Yeah. Your voice and his voice are a similar register. (laughs) I just noticed that. (laughs) I never really thought about that, but I'm going to have to reflect on it. I'm going to go pull some up. It's just like certain certain points. Like I'm, you know, Tones. I'm like I'm legally blind. I'm partially blind. Right. So I relate to people mostly by voices, and I just right. there's like certain inflections. Yeah, that are like really similar, and that's I mean that's a compliment. He's, his voice is dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's an no amazing, doubt. amazing dude, man. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a trip. Like I know some anarchists. I've known anarchists in my life, like just being in in the movement, and like I've known some of them. I understand where they're coming from. Um, you know, I get it. I don't agree right. with a lot of what they're on. And and one of the things that was really troubling, man, is like, okay, if the anarchists are burning down all the Wells Fargo banks or something, like, okay, I'm not mad at that. But like, you're burning down- A like, grocery store? Yeah, grocery stores and like the library, like, yo, man- So my now daughter, grandma can't go get the milk, you feel me? Uh, or the libraries or, or people's yeah. homes. Like they were stashing, they were stashing like kerosene and things like that in bottles behind people's houses. We had to like go and like sweep and clean mm. our alleys every day and like check in our garages and check in our- Because like, there was that much stashing. activity. It was real, man. And then you go out and you go out at night and in the morning, like we would get up for Fajr time mm-hmm. and go outside, and it's Fajr's like, morning prayer for the Muslims. Yeah, before. So it's the, usually dark. It's usually like yeah, it's like it's it's just the the sun hasn't risen yet, but it's like it's sun. There's sunrise and then dawn, so it's dawn. It's not sunrise right. yet. So you go outside, and it's like you can just smell ash and tear gas and smoke, and like because mm. all that burning stuff was really close to us. Right. Right. So it was very visceral and real and like, you know, and then the the um, the service, the funeral for George Floyd happened. And, um, you know, his fiance invited me and we went over there and she was like, yo, I'm sorry, I can barely get in. Mm. Like all the, the women who had like lost. So Philando Castile was here a couple of years ago. Oh, that's so. Powerful. So she was like, yo, I was sitting in the back. This is his fiance. Mm-hmm. She was like, Ali, I'm sitting in the back with Philando Castile's mom and wife. And like, there's a, there's I'm just like every city, there's like a bunch of young black men unarmed that have been killed by police. Jamar right. Clark, like we could go on and on and on with these names. Uh, Franklin, 
Terrence yeah. Franklin, Jamar Clark, like all these names, right? She's like, yo, I'm sitting in the back of the church with all of them. And she's like, Al Sharpton is in the front just shouting out Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart and, you know, <laughs> Ludacris and T.I. And like, she's like, yo, this is not about Floyd at all. Wow. You know, and then just seeing everybody jump on the bandwagon of like, we stand with so-and-so. And like, I live in this community. So I'm saying like, it was held at this, at this Bible college. That's like a prominent Bible college. I just took this young black brother on tour um, just recently who went to that school. Mm. He was like one of the only black students, right? Mm. And he went to the school and they, uh, at, this, at this school when he was there, all the different uh, like classes put on these little plays and one of them, sure enough, was blackface. Like these white kids in blackface doing a play. So he was like- In okay, what city? In what city? In Minneapolis. And so he was like, this is like three years ago. So he was like, okay. He was like, I'm gonna deal with this on Monday when I go back to school. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he puts up a Facebook post. Crazy right. to see somebody in 2017 or whatever it was, right. still doing blackface. He wakes up and there's like 400 comments. Why are you doing all this stuff? Hey, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like they, they, they wrote against him. They were like, you're playing the race card, race bait, all this stuff. And so to see that, and then at that event, the Dean of Students stood up and was like, we're announcing the George Floyd Memorial Scholarship for young black leaders and everybody's clapping. And it's like, they railroaded him. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, I'm, seeing the, I'm seeing the newspaper uh, running stuff. This, there's this newspaper called the City Pages. And I, like mm -hmm. as an artist in this city, um, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything else with them. There was a black kid a few years ago, caught a stray bullet through his grandmother's door and got shot and killed. His name was Nizel. This young white reporter thought he was funny and was like, his name was Nizel, right? This reporter thought mm -hmm. his name was Nizzle. Mm -hmm. The slang word for the N-word. Right. And wrote that in the story. And as a joke, maybe his dad named him after Snoop Dogg's favorite n-word thing so this this like group of black moms went up there to talk to them and i'm like yo i've been on the cover of this this newspaper four times right i i know the people in there and so one of my homegirls calls and she's like hey these black moms are about to go ride on the city pages i'm like okay i'll go over there because i know those people and i can make sure that they actually get heard heard i can make sure that like hey you have to talk to these people went over there did my best they railroaded all of us you know what i'm saying wow just avoid, avoid, avoid. And now suddenly I'm just seeing all of these people and institutions and like that they're all on the bandwagon now without much self-reflection. <laughs> hey, hey, in a similar but unrelated thing, one of the things that, you know, I think what you're talking about is this <coughs> ripple effect of what appears to be false atonement. It's the only way I can really interpret it is that like in the chess world i can tell mm. you so many chess institutions and mm. publications that are like you black lives matter to us and blah, blah. will they respond to my email rizza should be on the cover i should do that interview That's no other rapper has championed 
hit, uh, chess and music in the history of Earth like RZA. Let's do a cover story. No response. Well, I, yeah, RZA no, no. and you. I mean, that should yeah. be you. Honestly, Here's me and I think I think both of us because we kind of Voltroned it. You know what I mean? We were on the same vibe, and then but he had all the music that was already out there that enabled people to even hear what I was talking about. Yeah. But it's like there are a lot of white institutions. There are a lot of white entertainment companies. There are a lot, and they're all saying that they understand, but structurally, they remain the same. And man, this is frustrating to me about the, the future of America, man. Yeah. It's like, where's the, where's the reflection on self? <sighs> like, like, where's the part where, you know, I'm saying, so I'm an albino. Uh, people have always been confused about my race. My parents are white. Right. I think my mother's adopted. My parents are white. Um, you know, when I, like, I, I was raised by, I was raised in a black community uh, from the time I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Both my parents, you know, they're like, this is my reality. Right. When I started rapping, I didn't know that there was this, like, underground scene emerging with mostly white artists and mostly white fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, it's, it's the scene of, like, the Living Legends didn't start like that, but then once that scene developed, then they became some of the big players. Same right. thing with Ryan Stairs, same things with Def Jux, same thing with, um, you know, other, other crews right. and, and other, people. Other, other, yeah. So when I ended up in that, I'm like, okay. I got, you know, I, I grew up like white people didn't have much need for me growing up. And then start, I started rapping and now there's this whole thing. And like, now they're like, okay, you're our guy. <laughs> right. so, at first I didn't know how to feel about that and one of my organizer buddies was like this is like a superhero story where you're rejected and then you go learn all the things and then you can come back and tell the truth so along with making great music and just doing what I want to do I've always seen it as part of my job to have some real talk with my white fan base and, and, and a large percentage is white about race and about right. all of that's this huge man that's that's a hell of a step because a lot of people would be afraid to a lot of people i mean you've done it virtually immaculately man like i mean i know that you move with with intention and wisdom and, and you, you share uh friendships with a lot of wise people and i mean obviously you yourself are wise to be honest like you know there's wisdom in your songs there's wisdom in the way that the beats are there's wisdom in the way that you do your shows so I'm not shocked by it. I'm grateful for it. You know what I mean? Um, but what's the trip is that? So, so I'm like, okay, in this moment, what I'm realizing is like, yo, and not even realizing, but I just live knowing this. Mm. And like, yeah, and, I've, and I, I've, I've made sacrifices to say the things that I need to say because I wouldn't be here. Like, I'm not here because I listen to hip hop music on TV. Mm. And then like, I was actually raised and loved and cared for and nurtured and taught by the black community. Like, I I'm, I wouldn't be me without it. Not e- even not not even like on the mic, and not even in the masjid or the mosque. But I like, know what you mean. The person, I am who I am. Doctor West says I am who I am because somebody left me, mm. and I am who I am. I learned the world and how to live in it and how to be in it from black wisdom and culture and from from people and like families and whatever. Right. So, what I know. And I've, I've, I've made sacrifices. Like, you know, that that uh, newspaper that I went up there and helped those people, mm-hmm. like, like, we're going to ride on you. Right. They don't they don't mess with me anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You and won't be on the cover next year. Station, right. And, 
I got on, you know, late night TV. I got, I did the, I did the rounds of late night TV one time and I got on there and did all my protest, Uncle Sam, goddamn, and all this <laughs> stuff. And it's just like, they're probably not going to invite you back. Um, you know, I have a Homeland Security file. The FBI comes to my, came to my house on my birthday, like, cause all this, cause of music, That's but deep. nothing that I've done. So really like, so it's like, okay, the conversation, anything that I can point to and say, like, I've done this and I've said that and I've done nothing that I've done has freed black people. So what, what, what accomplishments are we really trying to count at this point? That's how I feel. Like nothing that I've done has made the people who raised me free. It might've made them happy. It might've, it might've made them, but nothing that has actually, none of that stopped George Floyd from getting killed. None of it stopped Flannel Castile from getting killed, Brianna Taylor from getting killed. None of it stops my son from the way that my son is treated. Like you look at right. my son, he's, right. he's in the world as a black man. Right. My daughters are black, are like, they're, they're still young, but like. Right, they're, but they're, they're gonna really be black women. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, my daughters, my, it's funny, because my wife is part Puerto Rican, so my daughters kind of look like um, uh, Quincy Jones' daughter. Oh, yeah, uh, Rashida. Rashida Jones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, you know what I'm saying? But my son, my son is like very clearly a black man. Like none of that is done. So I'm looking at the, I'm, I'm looking at like, like you say, these chess organizations mm. or the, the, all of these people, like we stand with black lives and that. Mm -hmm. like, yo, I'll feel like there's progress when I see some self-reflection. Like when I see some like, hey, these are the ways that now that we're looking at this and now that, now that we feel this pressure, also it's outside pressure. Like even if it was agent provocateurs that burned the buildings, and I think it, I think it very likely right. was, yeah. the burning buildings is what made people be like, yo, that's what made the power structure and those not in Bro, the community. Let me that's make the it. part that they're responding to. Like, oh shit, I might not be safe. Yo, when I saw the police department in whole fire, bro. I looked at that online and I was like, it's hella real. No matter, yeah. no, like, yeah. no matter what you thought it was, no matter what your position is, you can be Republican, revolutionary, hard left, somewhere in the middle, bruh, look at the station right now. Whoosh. And I was yeah, like- this is, this is a thing. This, yo, yeah. I mean, that's historic. That's historic. Yeah. The, 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 the taking and the burning of that precinct is mm -hmm. going to be um, a highlighted revolutionary footnote for 200 years at least, okay? Yeah. And it's deep because when I saw that building, you know me, I'm a reader of Machiavelli, I'm a reader of Sun Tzu, I'm a mm -hmm. reader of uh, Miyamoto Musashi and Clausewitz and Mao, and I was like, that is guerrilla warfare enacted by a people who feel abandoned. And I remember speaking to someone who was white and they were like, yo, why did they burn the police department? Like, I don't understand. And I was like, well, if you were a Jew in Nazi Germany, right? Yeah. And I said, and you saw that, that Gestapo headquarters burnt down, how sad would you feel? I was like, I See, think, you think yeah. that the cop is the, the, the protector. He's your right. protector. He's not my right. protector. So right. when I see that burn, I'm like, karma homie you know what i mean and i just can keep it moving man I, so it's it's become 
so like my first love is rapping or like my first like skill is rapping and the second one is talking to white people about reality of, of right like oh. that's become my second skill you know what i'm saying i think the only way for most white people to understand what racism really is and white supremacy really is is the closest that i think most white folks can come to it is terrorism like if you look at like so like they saw they see terrorist acts like um you know the the twin towers falling right. again who knows why right but in the right. in the psyche who knows what really happened right the official story is almost certainly not true yeah we're pretty sure that's not the real in the in the white american psyche it's like yo three thousand people in those buildings got killed not for who they are what they did what they believed in who they voted for who they donated to what they volunteered who or even where you know just for the fact that they were americans in america they got Mm. killed for no other reason than just their identity right and you look at what was the what was the response of the power structure that they killed over a million people over the last 20 years in the middle east consistently without reservation yeah uh, like literally a million people so that's that's basically like what we're talking about just the police part of of white supremacy just the police part we're not talking about the educational system the beauty standards oh, the, the, the knowing your name knowing who your people are and especially once you start learning like i've been spending more and more time in west africa you start learning like who the mandinka are who right the, who the fulani are who the you know what i'm saying like it's like realizing what was lost you know what I'm saying? From uh, what what people were disconnected from? Yeah. Just the police part alone is like, yeah, you can be killed just for being you. It's the only way for people, for for white people or people who aren't black, I think, to really understand yeah. what that means. Yeah. And no, so it's I, like, I, okay, I how many how many people have been killed? How many police officers have been killed? It's not that it's not none, but I mean, you know, uh, since the Black Lives Matter time. Dude, less less than 10. Dude. And here's the other part too, right? Like to your point, and it's deep, right? You know, what you said about, you know, yeah, you know, I made all this music, I did this, said that or whatever, but black people still aren't free. You know, I think I think that's something that a lot of artists like yourself struggle with. You know what I mean? You, you know, I'm just talking about in my head right now, you Immortal Technique, uh uh, uh Chuck D obviously right um lots of different yeah yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. shout out to, to all of them you know what i'm saying um shout out know. chuck d just turned 60 man his birthday's the day after mine bro you know what's crazy when i met chuck i was i think i was 19 mm. i was 19 man and he's been so cool to me ever since you know it's unbelievable it's unbelievable it's, man that's one of the most down-to-earth just normal regular dudes and he's he told funny, me, he bro. Like, he was like, hey, man, treat me regular and we're going to be fine. Don't treat me like Chuck D. Treat me like your big brother Chuck. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Nah, he's, he's great, man. And so I look at the body of all of your work, right? And then I hear you say what you say and I go, man, but like me and my boy Scape One, Scape, Scape Martinez is like one of the best graffiti writers of the Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, yeah. 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 I'm, Scape, I don't man. think I've met him. 
He's dope. He wrote several yeah, oh, books. Yeah. He wrote several books about how to use color in art. It's unbelievable. Uh, um, and so no, I don't know who Scape is. I don't we know. used to speak until two, three in the morning, you know, back in the day when, you know, you just combing through what hip hop is and could be. And what we came to the conclusion at this point, which would have been 1993, was just that at best, hip hop would be the soundtrack to the revolution, but the revolution had to be its own thing. It had to do its own thing. It wouldn't necessarily come from the music because what revolution needs, music can't provide. What revolution has to be its own thing and what you have done, what, what, what PE has done, what, what Technique and others have done uh, uh, will be the soundtrack to that. But it's too much of an ask to suggest that it would free someone because that freedom has to come from them. It has to come from their elders. It has to come from community organizing and nobody's yeah. rap can do that part. Well, I, yeah, I don't think any- But I feel it though, but I feel what you mean though. And I, and I could imagine yeah, and I'm, how I'm that saying, resonates. Like, it's, it's a moment to be like, I, I, what I'm really responding to though, brother, is like the, the, the feeling of people like patting themselves on the back and like releasing themselves from the tension of the, of the situation. Right. It's like it's it's very difficult for us to watch that video of that of that devil leaning mm. on George Floyd's neck. It's very difficult to watch that with and with the, with pride, though. He was pridefully where he was on 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 George Floyd's neck, like with with willful defiance, man. Some yeah. People. Yeah. Hand in his pocket, looking directly at the camera phone like what? This is what mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like this is just Wednesday. And that man has has shot other people of color that's what they say on his job and he knew george floyd that's what's so deep i know that's true yeah no there, there's uh there's an mc from from the twin city super dope super dope mc called muja messiah shout out muja messiah he actually tweeted the day after it happened what if i told you that that cop and floyd knew each other and they worked together and they, they both did security at a club and Floyd was the kind of security guard that was trying to keep everybody safe, keep everything cool, de-escalate. And the cop was trying to turn up on everybody. Yeah, yeah, get fool snatched up, slap somebody up or whatever. But they, they butt heads over that. Mm. That Floyd was like, hey man, we're not here to make things worse. We're here to de-escalate, you know what I mean? Right. And um, so yeah, I mean, it's difficult to watch that. And the thing is that the thing about whiteness is that like whiteness is a whiteness is an idea. Right. And you know, the Muslims, most of the Muslims, especially those of us that come from black Islam, we believe that whiteness as a concept, not a European, not a person of European descent. Descent, right. A person of European descent is a is a creature of God. Right. That God in infinite wisdom created knowing every single detail about this person and also knowing all of the infinite details that could have been and didn't choose those things, but chose exactly what would be. So mm. the, the children of Europe are people who were willed into existence by an all-knowing creator. No doubt. Whiteness as an idea is from the devil. Like, no, <laughs> right, right. Like it's, it's, it's the archetype. Like the devil is the archetype. You look in the Quran, you know, uh, Allah created the human being and ordered all of creation to bow to the human being because the human being has the human condition of wrestling with the ability to defy everything it knows to be right. Right. The human being's got that ego that's like, no, I just desire things and I don't care if they're good or bad. I just want them. You know what I mean? And then we all, but then the human being also has a spirit, also has a secret 
mm-hmm. and also has an intellect and mm-hmm. also has heart at the center of it all has heart. So God says for everything in creation to bow to, to, to the first human beings and everything in creation bows except for Iblis, the devil who says, I'm made of fire. He's made of mud. I'm better than him. It's the beginning. It. It's, it's the literally archetypical white supremacy, racism, and, right. and every type of chauvinism that there is. So, and every type of like, every, every type of like dominator superiority complex comes from that. That's the archetype of it. And so, you know, it's like it, what part of what's so necessary about the idea of whiteness is no matter what, I'm good. Mm. I'm good. The answer, whatever the bottom line is, I'm a good person. I'm, I have high moral qualities and character. I'm, I'm from intelligent. a respectable past. Right. So the whole, like, we stand with so-and-so. Just like, mm, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. that. You know, and I know a lot of people who would be called white. Man, I might cry if I tell you this story, but there's a Muslim guy. His name is John. I'm not going to say his last name. I don't know if it's okay. There's a Muslim brother named John. He's from rural Minnesota. It's almost Mm -hmm. all white out there. Mm -hmm. He went to the army. He comes from a Catholic background, went into the army to defend the country. Like he comes from this like conservative background. Yeah. In the army, they, he says, wait, aren't, aren't I supposed to be able to learn a language while I'm here? And they're like, yeah, um, if you want to do like Spanish or something, it's going to take years. But if you want to do Arabic or Chinese, you can go right now. Deep. So he's like, cool, I'll do Arabic. Learns Arabic, reads the Quran, realizes this is what he's believed all his life. Wow. Becomes a Muslim. Spends his days. He has an organization where he goes to rural Minnesota and Wisconsin and North and South Dakota as a white guy from their culture, teaching them the basics of Islam as a Muslim. Because he's like, if they, people know the basics of Islam, they won't fear it. Right. So he goes in like churches and like, oh, that's what he does. All When this stuff was happening and white supremacists were in North Minneapolis, he went to the mosque in North Minneapolis as a, as a military guy. And he was like, I'm going to defend the mosque. He went there with his rifle and he said, I'm standing outside. There was a bunch of black Muslim brothers there. And he was like, I'm he stood on the roof of the mosque. And he said, if white supremacists come here, I'll be the one they see. He's like, if they shoot, I'm the one they're shooting at. And if shots need to be exchanged, I'm a professional. And so, and he didn't even announce this. This wasn't on his Facebook page. This was just him living, bro. We just heard about it. My wife is a, is a black therapist, a black Muslim woman, wears a hijab, therapist, mm. and, she, and, a, and a social worker. Mm-hmm. And you got a good wife, ca- man. You came up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. amazing. You came up. So we, we, I can't remember how it happened, but he said, but what we mentioned to him, it was like a text chain somehow mm. where mm-hmm. we just had found out what he, and I was just like, hey, man. Love you. And, and then he texted uh, us, but texted my wife and was like, he was like, if you have anything you need to do, if you need to go out at any point and you just want like an armed security person there, he was like, you don't even have to speak to me. Mm. Like, just let me know. I'll go with you. Like whatever, wherever you need to be, wherever you need to go. And 
legally, you know, full license, yeah. everything. You know what I'm saying? So like, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people, like a alarmingly large number of people who would be called white, who are on that, who are yeah. like that. Yeah. I know, I know a great deal of myself, to be honest. And I think one of the beauties of, of what's happened in these times is that, um, you know, like early on, especially like when you started to see those ugly clashes in front of the White House. I mean, they were so jarring and they felt so like I have goosebumps because it just reminds me of like Selma and the bridge. Mm -hmm. and it becomes very traumatic. Um, and so, you know, I remember, you know, my mom was like, yo, like he's trying to start a race war. He's trying to start a race war. And I was like, you know what? He probably is. I said, but yeah. he's not going to do it. And I'll tell you why. I said, like, if this would have been the 60s, 70s, probably. I said, but since the 80s forward, there have been so many uh, mixed race marriages, right? There's so many uh, kids who are black and Filipino, black and white, black and Latino, and these people got relatives. I said, ain't nobody going to do no race war. You know what I'm saying? I know how the voting is going to play out. I said, but there's too many people since the 80s that have been uh, – mixing culturally spiritually you know what i'm saying and racially i just i just don't think that it's possible but it is possible to 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 like trump uses the polarity strategy from the 33 strategies of war every day that's okay. the boom polarity 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 that's his greatest hit White, he's playing, black, he's Christian, doing his greatest Muslim, every day. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's always on that polarizing thing. And if you've never read The 33 Strategies of War by uh, 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 Robert Greene, then you should get it because he's, mm. he's pulling and his, or his team is pulling from that book every day. But the first rule is polarity. And, and he always does it. But this is why unity is so important. This is why the Islamic concept of Tawheed, this is why, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I have this hashtag I always use called unity and diversity always because it always wins, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, um, as you were talking, I had this question for you. Um, mm. You are unique to me as a person, as an artist, you're very unique. Okay. My question to you is I see how you feel as a white rapper who came from predominantly black backgrounds, who was also Muslim. Okay. To the average, <laughs> I almost channeled EPMD to the average MC. I'm known as a Terminator. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? So I was like, to the average MC. I was going to say, to the average MC, who is white? Do you have any, hey, uh, advice, guidance, theories, thoughts? If you're a white rapper right now and you're sitting in the middle of Vallejo or you're sitting in the middle of Florida or Wisconsin, do you have any advice for them? Any advice? I'm not even talking about George Floyd advice. Any advice? Well... I mean, the, the, the greatest advice would be, I mean, what I believe in what Malcolm said. You know, Malcolm spent his, his life in America and said, I don't think anything can reform these people. 
and yeah. then and then he traveled around the world specifically in the muslim world and he said you know i met white people that would that would be called white here but they weren't white they yeah, had a different a air they had different he was like they just were different there's something about them they saw themselves as human and everybody sees themselves as human uh this is not to discredit anybody yeah. but you know malcolm malcolm really highlighted that like if people in america who have understood themselves for 400 years to be white the thing about whiteness is that it's a vacuum it's a vacuum of there's no there's not much me the only real meaning that it has i have a song called before they called you white that's mm -hmm. on my project from 2017. Mm -hmm. and it basically says that like you know before people came to the new world they were German and Irish and they were, Dutch, Greek they were from and the like, UK. They were they yeah, were man. Swiss, you know. And, and they had culture. culture. They had music. They had mores and folkways and families and yeah. history and language. And their music was dope. And their food was dope. And they like they were Yo. they were cultural human beings that had a relationship with the earth. They had a relationship with community. They had, you know. Uh, you know, they had technologies and ways of living and like, it was an understanding of what it meant. So like being Celtic means something, being from a certain family means something. All white means is that you're, you're better than other people in the hierarchy of the power structure. Yeah. And so the, what's happening with white people now is that for so long, white people were just kind of white by default. They didn't mm. really have to wrestle with what does this mean? Right. And then in this moment is like, wait what does it mean and so i i really think it's 50 50 half of white people st support trump to this day yeah and have don't in the bay you don't get a lot of those white people there's not gonna be a lot of those white people in the bay well it's a it's a trip you're gonna have to you're gonna have to drive a while they're, they're, they're well i think what it is is i think like for instance so i stay I, I i stay in the peninsula right like not far from sfo the airport right so when you when you land at sfo that's mm -hmm. like five minutes from my house okay okay so that area is fairly mixed it's mainly going to be latino white indian some asians not very many blacks not very not 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 not, not very many blacks mm -hmm. but like i'll just say some cities that you probably like zoom through but really maybe didn't kick it in right so if you know. come I play a lot of cities if you come through like in the bay right san bruno mm -hmm. uh 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 san jose uh, uh uh burling game los altos right los altos hills you know they're puffing cubans rolled by cubans in a garage who roll them right and they're voting for trump for mm -hmm. sure but when you walk through the you know when you're on telegraph when you're up there in berkeley you know what i'm saying when you're over there by zaytuna right and you'll see somebody and you'll wave and they'll wave but they're still voting for trump they'll be very polite but they're, they're, they're still going to vote for Trump. Now you do get like, for instance, when the black bloc says it's going to show up and then like the proud boys or some of these, you know what I mean? Some of these rowdy, you know, uh, new era skinhead types want to show up, then they're going to get thugged on for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think on the surface, California looks more left than it is yeah. because like it looks more left on the surface, but when it goes to state its case, it's always Republican. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we just did a tour with me and Open Mike Eagle and um, 
man, we, we rode, I'm not going to say the name of the town, but it was a, it yeah. was a small town in California and we rolled into like a, cause I don't want to diss them. Right. But it was like, it was a redneck bar. Right. And connected, it was connected to a gun store. You know what I'm saying? And like, they had a burnt, like they had like a charred American flag up as their backdrop. And my tour manager. Was it Modesto? Like, I'm not going to say. Modesto? But they, they called me and they were like, my tour manager who's white. Oh, and then his wife, who's um, Colombian, is right. selling merch. Right. You know what I'm saying? The whole rest of our crew are, are, are black and POC. Right. So he calls and he's like, hey, I, he's like, nobody in the crew is saying that they won't do this. <laughs> but he was like, I don't feel he was like, I don't feel like our crew is safe here. And yeah. he's like, and if you get up and start doing Uncle Sam goddamn morning in America before they called you white, dear black son, right. you get up and start doing this stuff. He's like, I don't it's gonna know. It's going to be a thing. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, we've come across that. My thing is, though, that like, so white people are like at a fork in a row where some of them are doubling down on the idea of being white. And some of them are really looking at it in a completely unique way. And... In terms of the culture thing, one of the things about Islam is that, you know, we have living links and chains of narration. So, man, for example, and that is a big deal. This is so a like, big so, deal, yeah, Americans. So like, I, I make I make Moroccan tea. I make right. like authentic mint Moroccan tea. Um, in order for me to, I can make it in my house if I want to. Right. In order for me to do that, I spent off and on years, four years, right. in the home of a Moroccan family who are descendants of the Moroccan royal family, right. they're descendants of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu uh, with their children, with a 12-year-old Moroccan boy teaching me how to make the tea. How beautiful is that? And I would make it and he would be like, he would laugh and then like, I'm saying years, <laughs> years, 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 years. He was years. like, no, man, not yet. And then, and then finally I made the tea in a way that was like, that they were like, yeah, you're making the tea. There it is. You know what I mean? So it, it's very different than just going on. Now, somebody could go on YouTube and get a recipe. Right. And, you know, but now every North African, every Algerian, Tunisian, right. Moroccan uh, person that I come across, um, if I'm making my, my tea, they're like, yo. They know that you where know. Do, yes. Because there's things that I just know about because I made this tea in Moroccan people's homes with them teaching me and, and like training me, not only what the ingredients are and like measuring, you don't measure. The first way he told me is, okay, so the first thing is you get enough uh, tea leaves in your hand and you pour it down. Like, what's enough? Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that we mean? Talking about, right. Is this like a cup and a half? Is this 43 <laughs> ounces? Cause like, I'm, I'm also big on making coffee. So I know that like, 43 ounces of or 42 ounces of, of ground coffee makes 700 of, of you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, so I'm mm -hmm. like, what are you the, know, you know how the, how the, yeah, like, what's the, and he was like, no, you just get enough in your hand. So how long does it take me to learn what enough is of Chinese gunpowder green tea leaves in my hand? You know what I'm saying? That's so and good. then knowing exactly how hot to make the fire. Like if the fire goes over a certain point, you're going to spoil oh. the tea leaf. Right, it's called. Yeah, and so like you don't do like you do not pour boiling water on real tea leaves. You know what I'm saying? That's true facts. Uh, and what you probably don't know is 
We cover tea on my podcast, man. You just walk straight into it. Uh, bro, uh, you know uh, what I'm saying? On my po- we uh, talk about tea all the time. I got tea recipes, babe. We be dropping them out here. So this is great. This, yeah. this old, No, this real like Japanese fantastic. tea leaves, like you wouldn't want to do over like 140 degrees. Yep. And boiling is going to be 211 degrees, depending on where you're at in altitude. Yeah. Different altitudes are a little different. Well, you know, 211 Fahrenheit right. degrees is probably going to be boiling. You don't want to put a green tea leaf in water that's hotter than 140, 160 tops. No. And like, but they're not setting a, a, an electric kettle to know that. You have to set your fire. And they actually use coals. They mm-hmm. use like a burning coal, like what you would put oud or incense on. Right, 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 right. And, and they're putting, the, they have like a holder that holds that metal teapot. I, got, I have a real one from Morocco in, in the other room here. But then like you hold and you put a coal underneath it. And they, you know, and then how much sugar and how to make sure the sugar is crystallizing properly. I say that to say, if you're going to make rap music, there's a big difference between, uh, so like in that, in that equation, it would be like you go to a restaurant order Moroccan tea at a Moroccan restaurant and you're like, this is great. You know, going on YouTube and learning how to do it is like, you'll fool somebody that doesn't know the difference. If you serve that to your suburban homie, he'll be like, he'll wow. Be like, Yo, this is- yeah, you will fool that person. Where'd you get but this? no Moroccan person is ever going to think that this right. is Moroccan tea. So if you learn hip hop from watching videos on YouTube and streaming music, mm-hmm. or even for the people that grew up watching it on MTV raps or something. Deep. You deep. will make rap music that will, for people that don't know the difference, that'll be fine. Yeah, and they'll you know think that's dope. And you'll think that is dope. And none of you will be clear on- And maybe that's fine. Like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, when you go to Morocco, you're gonna, or when you're with some Moroccan people, you're gonna know that actually no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and and it's you like, want, you are gonna want to you're gonna want them to feel respected when you show up in the building, right? Yeah. Like, hey, yes. he took the time to learn this. Like I noticed, like I used to speak Japanese, I lost a lot of it, but when mm-hmm. I when I spoke Japanese, the eyes of a Japanese person, were like, yo, he. He took the time to, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's dope, right? There's a brother on, on Facebook that speaks, uh, I can't remember if it's, I, I, he speaks maybe maybe Mandarin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's on Facebook, he just walks up to, to, to Chinese people and just starts speaking Mandarin. My, 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 my uncle used to teach Mandarin. Yo, Donnell Rollins, you know, Ashley Larry the comedian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaks fluent Korean. Shut your mouth. <laughs> It's, so, it's such a trip. Like one minute it'll be like, yeah, yeah, what up, son? I'm rich, man. And then <laughs> perfect Korean. He he was in the he was in the uh, he was in the military and he was in Korea for years. That's crazy, bro. I love that. You know. Yeah. Now, um, because you just mentioned him, I just got a flash of Dave Chappelle. Now you just mm. performed a few weeks ago, right? At a yeah. at a. Can you tell me about what uh, what 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 that was like and what 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 the event was for and, and and how did you get cool with Chappelle? Like, how did you guys even become cool? So, what Chappelle is doing now is really beautiful, man. I, I have this theory also talking about that chains of transmission. Mm-hmm. Like we believe as Muslims, we believe in chains of transmission. Yes, that that like 
So just like, so that T, I didn't learn, like the T goes from the heart to the heart. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the way that I make the T is going to be shaped by the person that taught me to make the T. And whatever their intention was will be part of mine. I also believe that in terms of like the way that we, the way that we operate is, is handed to us. It's a spiritual chain it's, and it's a spiritual passing that we get. So martial arts is the same, bro. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's the same, same as martial arts. Like, yeah. yeah, you can go learn from some dude named Chad in, in, in a mini mall <laughs> exactly. and, and get a freaking pink belt. You know what I'm saying? And like, okay. But Miyagi yeah, Do's going to be a little different, bro. Not going to be the same. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Miyagi Do's going to bring a little something extra. And not saying there's not a guy named Chad that that didn't really learn. Like, there's can't hurt you. Chads that, you know what I'm saying? They really have that chain. So... So like for me, when I was 13, KRS-One brought me on stage and, you know, and, and standing on stage with KRS-One, I was like, he was giving a lecture and I was like, oh, and his birthday is a day after me and Chuck. And I was like, standing up there, I was like, I looked at KRS and I was like, oh, that's what I am at 13. Mm -hmm. I knew it. When Chappelle was a little kid, he met Muhammad Ali. There's a photo of it. And Chappelle said the moment he knew he met Muhammad Ali, he's like, I'm going to be famous like this and I'm going to be the same way. So what Chappelle is doing right now is that this little, he lives in this little town. Mm -hmm. See, Kwali talks about this stuff because he's closer friends with him. I'm not like, I'm not right. tired of things like that. Right, right. Like, like we, we love each other, but right. Kwali, like, they've been they dear family friends for right. 25 years. Right. So if you follow Kwali, he, he tells a lot of more of this than I'm, it's not mine to tell. Right, 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 right. Now I hear you. But Dave lives in a little town in Ohio um, and he's the unofficial mayor of the town. He's keeping this town alive. It's a lot like Berkeley. It's almost like a Midwestern Berkeley to be honest. Okay. Very it's fresh. like this hippie town, funky, like little coffee shops, little flower mm -hmm. shops, like, and it's just like everybody there knows Dave and his family, his wife, his kids. Um, and Dave lives a very modest lifestyle for a, a person who's as famous and renowned and profitable as he is. Right. Because he, he could be like, in the Hollywood Hills, puffing Cubans, made by Cubans in the garage and, you know, pulling out in the new Lambo. And he's yeah, not doing no, any of that. None of that. So Dave's got 10 motorcycles because he likes to ride motorcycles with his friends. And it'll be like, it'll be like, you know, Common, uh, John Stewart, random people from the town that like him and his wife are just, that's their homies. That's their neighbors. Mm. And man, so, you know, we went out, like, he was like, he was like, Hey Ali, we're going to go out. We're going to go out riding motorcycles. And he knows I'm blind. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, you know, I don't want you to miss out. So, uh, <laughs> so he had one of the homies drive me in a pickup truck <laughs> so that we could, so that I didn't miss so you out. you could be a part of the kids. vibe, right? Yeah, it's like, we're, we're riding. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to like stay home. He's like, I'm not going to ask you to ride on the back of somebody's motorcycle. He's like, you're too big for that. <laughs> too big. Like I'm a big, like I'm, you know, a big guy. He's like, we're not going to do that. So he had somebody drive me in a, in a pickup truck. That's so we're driving. Awesome. We, we, so we, so it's, it's, it's Dave. And then like, he's in the front and then it's a line of like eight people on motorcycles and then me in a pickup being driven. Right. And suddenly Dave turns around. He, in the middle of this, like, it's just like two lane, long two lane highway right. kind of thing. 
suddenly Dave hits a sharp U-turn. And everybody else does too. This whole caravan right. hits his U-turn. And Dave drives up on somebody's, like it's all these farmhouses. Right. Dave just saw out of his, the corner of his eye a bunch of smoke coming from one of these houses. You know what I'm saying? And so he wanted to make sure it's okay. He's like, I want to make sure my neighbor's okay. Mm. And um, the guy turns out was like smoking meat or something like that. Like he's had like this. Yeah. Thing. But Dave is like, and you, and you just see, so I can't see far enough, but I can see Dave like really close to where right. I'm at. And he's like really checking it out. And he's like giving a thumbs up. He's like, are you good? You, you good? Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You all right? You good? And he's like, cool. And he had, he had a mask on. He pulls his mask down. He goes, he's like, you want to go riding? <laughs> He's like, I, I got a pickup truck. I can send somebody back for another bike. You want to ride with us? And and I'm thinking like, oh, they know the, they know each other, right? And then uh, the guy's like, you know, I'm Kevin, by the way. I'm like, wow. And just everybody knows that like Dave lives here, and what he's doing right now is he's got. He spent a lot of his money to get the best COVID testing machine available in that little town. So what happens is everyone in his circle, they call it summer camp, they call it like mm. Chappelle summer camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone that's in, in the summer camp crew, you get a swab up your nose every like three days and then they give you a wristband with the date on it that's like this person's clean. So everybody so knows. Then among those people, you're not wearing a mask, you're not social distancing, you're normal, oh, right? Wow. So then he built a venue in a cornfield so it can be a social distance outdoor venue. The tables are 15 feet apart. Like two people come together. You come with your right. significant other, your roommate, your homie. Right. And you guys sit together with Chappelle mask. I got my Chappelle mask somewhere <laughs> with like a, a red, black, and green mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, That's hard. Uh, yeah. And it's like, and so it's like, it's 200 people out there, but they're totally distanced. Right. And then... He has his private jet goes back and forth to L.A. and New York so that he brings artists together. And then after the and they do shows like four nights a week, that's free. Unbelievable. And so like every night you're seeing uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, Donnell Rollins, Michelle Wolf and Mo Amer. Like that's the that's the core crew. Right. Michelle Wolf is hilarious. Yo, she she's one of the I feel higher. as much as she's killing it. She's still underrated. I feel like she's still underrated. And here's the ill thing about Michelle Wolf, right? Michelle Wolf is dope. I love her. She's my sister. Like, she's an amazing she's comedian. Raw. Uh, so she has a lot of success. She writes for a lot of comedians. I don't mm -hmm. think she says them all publicly. Right, she right. writes She'd be ghostwriting for a lot of these fools. Well, it's like, you know, they have writing teams. Yeah, that's true. But she also has had her own successful specials. She's a headliner on her own. Yeah, she's like, yo, I, she's like, yo, I got a lot of quick success because I'm a white lady. She's mm. like, but I want to be a killer on the mic. So she's spending the whole summer out there opening for Donnell and Dave. Wow. She just trying to like sharpen her game. Yes. Yes. It's like, yo, so I like, you know, I got when I started in this in, um, you know, going out with atmosphere and stuff, those crowds were like, they loved me immediately. But then I wow. went on tour with Brand New being Rakim, Ghostface Killer, uh, MF Doom, opening for them just every night with like Rakim fans looking at me like, what, all right, Kentucky Fried Chicken, man, what's up? Yeah, what you got? Nah. They're looking at me like, nope. And I had to get on the mic like, <laughs> and bah! you know what I mean? And so Merck versus, like, they understood. 
Like she's on out here like, I don't care if I have success. I'm trying to be a killer. Like I'm trying to, it's I'm about trying to be dope. And so every day she's out there, like she's out there and she's doing great, but she's on some like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have Donnell Rollins and Dave Chappelle be like, yo, you murdered it. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So then Dave's plane is going back and forth and Jon Stewart, John Mayer, Chris Rock, like when I was there, uh, Banner came up, David Banner came up. Crazy. Oh, Kwali basically is living there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm saying, and it's just like every night, like, man, Dave would just be like, I'd be sitting backstage enjoying the show and he'd be like, you guys want to see a, a white Muslim albino freestyle off the head for a half hour and never miss a beat? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Brother Ali. And I'm sitting back there like, yo, I didn't even know I was performing. <laughs> you know and I go out there and the DJ is just like, I'm just like, hey, man, play Nas beats, I guess. Yeah, you know it's just, I will go. You know what I'm saying? So Dave's thing, and I'm saying he's spending a lot of money doing that. Right. But his thing is like, what we have to offer is that uh, artists need to be with other artists, mm. period. That's who we are. We have to be with other artists. And <laughs> and he's like, what we offer the world is a reminder of their humanity. He's like, that's what art is. Art reminds people of their humanity, whatever, whatever form it's in. Bro, so he's like, he's like, with the rest of the world, it's all closed down. He's like, that's why this is happening. People don't get to have experiences together. They can't go to the mosque. They can't go to church. They can't be with their friends. And they can't go to concerts and comedy shows and art galleries. He's like, we're here to remind ourselves and the world that we're human first. Bro. You know what I'm and that like, is all what I've been on, on a quiet, like he just spoke, like James Baldwin could say things that I thought, mm, but couldn't yeah. grasp and verbalize. Oh, like that's best, why his man. book, No Name in the Street really impacted me. And I think that's why uh, 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 Chappelle is so impactful because yeah. he's able to take these fragmented crystallizations of your thoughts and, and, and do that. And you're right, man. Like, like that's the move, man. And the other thing that makes him Muhammad Ali to me, because that, that's what I always tell him. I'm like, you're Muhammad Ali. So I took the name Ali because it's Muhammad Ali's name. Word. When I became Muslim, that was the name that I accepted. Word. Um, and I'm, I'm like, you are Muhammad Ali. The other thing about him is that he is willing to take on the untouchable subjects of the time. And, and like, only the courageous and the wise can do that effectively. So, like, it's like, like, I know, you know, being in a movement, it's like we're close with the LGBT community, got a right. lot of love and respect for them, always right. keeping track of their humanity, always, you know what I'm saying? Right. But... I would say and, not even but. So it's like right. whether or not you agree with Dave's analysis or and my view of his perspective on that conversation is, hey, if this is going to be the new civil rights issue, let's contextualize it from uh, 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 coming up on a 50-year-old black man's perspective right. on, like, let's remember what. So when he says, like, you know, why was it easier for Bruce Jenner to, uh, you know, to change his Gender. gender than it was for Cassius Clay to change his yeah. name. Let's just contextualize this. You know what That's I mean? That's so deep, even man. If you, even if you disagree, even if you're like, man, Dave Chappelle's punching down and so on, so, so, and so. The reality is that there's nobody else 
that this is like a messy conversation. And the fact that Chappelle, as somebody who clearly is a loving person who cares about people, yeah. is like, he's willing to be the lightning rod to even have a conversation like that. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? That's a service. He's not doing that to get richer. He's not Man. doing that because he hates anybody. He's doing that because he's like, let's see if I can, can crack a conversation open. You know what I mean? That, uh, and he was like, you know, and I he was like, I respect transgenders way right. more than I respect Rachel Dolezal. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, he was, was funny, like, man. You know, just to have that, even if you think he's completely wrong, even if he is wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the spirit from which he's having that conversation, it's not different from Muhammad Ali. Remember, like, Muhammad Ali was one of the most hated people in American life when he said, no, no Viet Cong ever called me the N-word. Hey, to your point, and I just want to say, listen to what he's saying right here because there's a book called Muhammad Ali's Greatest Fight. And it's from the day he said he wouldn't be in the war until the day that he won in court, in the Supreme Court. And there's so many statistics. What did people say when he first said no? What did they say at the end? The end of the book, the shift is so massive. I just want to give, you know, I always want to tell people where they can read about that. Not just, you know what I'm saying? I need you to know people, Muhammad Ali's greatest fight is a book you should read. Continue. And the same thing happened with, the same thing has happened over and over and over again. Dr. King, Dr. King's approval, approval rating when he died was worse than George Bush when he left office. He was up there like Bin Laden in the American government perspective. The way they saw him, they saw him as a problem for the American government. And yeah, how they said he was the most, the, most, the most dangerous, dangerous. man in America. Yeah. And, and, you know that, and that wasn't even, that was the day after the I Have a Dream speech. That wasn't even... <laughs> It won't go to like no no war. That wasn't even the war protest. The yeah, even got that far yet. Yeah, that was just I have a dream. Little black boys and little black girls playing together. Yeah, man. Content and a character instead of color. That's that, that speech. Man. And the same thing with Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela mm. was considered a, a, a world terrorist number Yo. one. Yeah. One day I have to tell the whole story. But when Mandela mm. did his last talk in North America, mm. he did it in Oakland, bro. Mm. He did it at the Oakland Coliseum. Oh, that's hard. The Oakland Coliseum on a BART train that I couldn't breathe in because so many people, bro. I'll never forget, bro. Bro, one of the walls, bro. It says, Is that where Wattstacks was? Where was Wattstacks? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was in SoCal. I'm tripping. Yeah, that's SoCal. That's SoCal. But no, there was a ver There was some. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. You. No, no, no. It's okay. We'll come back to that. Okay, okay. So, so. So it said, Oakland is Soweto. Somebody wrote that on the wall. So every Ooh. train, every Ooh. train saw that. Oakland is Soweto. It had no style. Right. It was a tag. You understand? Right. So then you right. get to the Oakland Coliseum. Check this story. Get to the Oakland Coliseum. It's packed like a Raiders game, right? Mm -hmm. But we all here to see uh, 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 Mandela. So he comes out. He does his thing. And there's a transcript of his talk. And part of it dealt with Native American tribes trying to speak to Mandela and people who were in between, like kind of like making it, I guess, so they couldn't see each other. Okay. Mm. And so he spoke, he said, hey, I love you. We're good. You know what I'm saying? He goes through this whole talk, bro. Merks it. I'm over here in tears, stammering back to the BART train, bro. Mm -hmm. I come home. I'm like, yo, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I wish, I wish, because my parents were there, but, you know, we're going to see people. 
My dad comes back. He's like, hey, you see KRS-One kill it after Mandela stopped? I said, what? What? He said, yeah, yeah. KRS-One, man. He murked it. I was like, no. Yeah, no, they opened. They, they opened. Yo, yeah. that was so crazy. I didn't know it was after. I always thought it was before. But it yeah, this footage on YouTube, you can see it. It's, wow. it's Boogie Down Productions. Um, I, I think Heather B was out there. Yeah, I mean, that was a, I mean, like, when you talk about the aggressive ascension of an art form, uh. right? so that in 75, in 83, they were saying it wasn't even music. By the mm -hmm. time Mandela steps out free, it is, again, the soundtrack to the revolution. Right. And, and hip hop had a big role in a lot of the divestment things that happened on in South on Africa. The, come on. Yeah, college campuses and like, man, hip hop had a big role in the making of the movie Malcolm X. Hip hop had a big role in, you know, safe sex movement. The whole thing with condoms around. Oh, that was that was that was, that was a huge that was a huge thing to your point about about Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. I just had a crazy life. Bro, mm. when, I, when I saw Malcolm X, I saw it at the Grand Lake Theater in mm. Oakland. Mm. To my right was, uh, oh my God, the guy that does Street Soldiers on KML Radio uh, every day, every, every, every weekend. And to my left was Alice Walker. Mm. And in the front row was Rodney King. Um, that's a true story and if you know that movie it opens with his beating and he was in the yeah. front row um, bro i just started crying as soon as the movie started poof, i was like Ugh! like off top off top it's crazy um, you know I, I feel as crazy as everything has been as 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 many painful chapters in my life that have ever uh mm. existed i am so grateful to be alive here now in the world i am Can i know I COVID is real, all of that but i'm grateful so, man so so you, you've had a lot of pain, and I think, and I haven't heard your pain from you. I've heard your stories from others, and yeah. I do, I have, I have tuned into the podcast. Word. Um, you're a person that's known throughout your life as being always in a service role, Where, and, and serving community specifically, and youth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Through graffiti, through the, the like actual cultural arm of hip hop, yeah. whether it's Zulu or Rocksteady. Yeah. And, and then also through the through chess. Yeah. And you, you've always been in a service role. What do you think it is specifically that some people channel that they say hurt people, hurt people. Right. But some hurt people serve people. Mm. So how is it that? How is it that uh, that you and others like you, of course, you're not the only right, one. Right, 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 right. But that, that you have taken all of that pain and channeled it into helping and healing and caring for and loving others on such a grand scale. Dude, you know, that's, a, that's an incredible question. Um, I don't know. I think that um, part of it is a weird thing in me that is a... Uh, It's a resilience that, that I have yet to cultivate for myself. So what I'm saying is if me and you were going down the street mm -hmm. and someone punches me in the face, I may let them punch me and be like, I'm not that big. Even though you have the ability. Right, to right. You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, here goes the wallet, bro. I don't really care. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And that's yeah. jujitsu, iron hook scroll, whatever, right? 
However, if that same person asks for your wallet, they may not make it through the rest of the day if I'm yeah. present. And, yeah. and I'm still wrestling with what that is. But from a very young age, the same person who could harm me could not harm someone else. I wouldn't, if I was there, I wouldn't allow that. So a bully who I would be afraid of, if it was just me and him, I would try to take out if he was messing with my friend. I've always been that way. Um, And I think that, that on, on some level, um, the best way that I can describe it is that when I was young, I had a crew and I had decent amount of friends or whatever, but I didn't have anybody really pointing me in the right direction. Like, you know, my pops was there. I grew up with both parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I came to my pops and was like, hey, this is my thing, like, he would probably tell me what's up. But, you know, most teenagers don't do that. You know what I mean? They, they, they just don't. And, and Man, so. <laughs> do they ever not? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They just don't do that. You know what I'm saying? So. It's, it's, yeah. Around 13, ask for advice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> From their actual biological. Yeah, parents. exactly. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. pop, I was wondering. You know what I mean? So, um, so what happened is. I just tried to be the person I wished I knew in high school for other people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if if I had a big homie in high school, how would I want him? So that's who I, who I try to be. You know what I mean? Um, And uh, you know, I I feel lucky to be here in this day. I feel lucky to know you, to have you on this show, to have experienced you in all the ways that I have uh, experienced. Like, you know, uh, before we, I think technically met, I went to, a show that you did in San Francisco uh, with a friend of mine. And um, Mm. it was in San Francisco. He was Iranian. There was all kinds of like Islamic hip hop vibes popping. And like, we went to the show and there were other Muslims we saw in the crowd and it was packed. I don't remember the venue though. Um, Mm. Like I remember, like I can see it. Um, Mm. Two levels, wood floor, Whatever. Uh, was it at the Fillmore? I don't think it was, but it might have been. I'll be honest. It might have been the Fillmore. You know what? If it's around the time, like the time you're describing, like first hearing my music, like Only yeah. Life, that might have been at the Fillmore and the Reminders and Homeboy Sandman. Was That's it. Did it. I have a band? That's the okay. show. That's yeah. the show. Yeah, Bro, yeah. I remember that show so vividly and I was so happy just to see you doing it man and so happy to see the crowd and the vibe and like i bumped into somebody i hadn't seen from an old job in like 20 years it was like the best thing you know what i mean and so Mm -hmm. i want to make sure i'm only saying it to say like i know going back to some of what you touched on earlier like that your music didn't make a system free but you gave individuals freedom Mm. i felt freedom from your verses Mm. when I'm working out on the way to mm-hmm. Talif when I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I run Hills. I'm, I'm a jogger now. Cause jujitsu is kind of dead right now. Cause you know what I'm saying? Cause of COVID. So I'm jogging all the time. You don't know mm. how far your lyrics have carried me. Just mm. me, just me. Mm. Right. You might be asleep, bro. You could be on a plane in the middle of nowhere over an ocean. And while you're running, I'm probably, meanwhile, I'm running up a hill. Probably wants me to get to the top. And I won't quit. You know, so, you know, again, man, I'm going to, I'm going to end this show how I started it, man. And I'm going to say thank you for being the artist that you are. Thank you for taking the courageous stances that you've taken. Um, 
and the help that you've given. And thank mm. you for not, I'm thanking you right now for not just for the things that I've seen. I'm thanking you for the things I'll never know. My man. I appreciate you, man. My man. And I, I'll, I'll circle back to where that means a lot coming from you. Um, you know, you're a person that does the work. You know what I mean? If we're, if what you're saying is that we do the soundtrack of the work, yeah. And you're the person you're you're the work you're doing the work, man. Okay. And uh that means a lot coming from you and I really appreciate you and respect you and I love you. I love and you I hope too, we get bro. to hang out and I hope we get to hang out in in the physical sometimes. So. Yeah, man. Hopefully, man. Hopefully. So These man, thank walls, you so you know much. Yeah, exactly. It looks like it looks like we're in the same room. Yeah. You know? Red room. Red room. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, yo, man, I just want to, oh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, where do they do it? Most of the social media is Brother Ali. It looks like yeah. Brother, B-R-O-T-H-E-R, Ali. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but on Instagram, that was taken. So it's Brother Ali is blind on Instagram. Word. And that's Word. the one that I'm on the most. Word. Okay. Yo, man, um, really appreciate you. Really love the the last album, the artwork, the verses, the the structure of it, you know, yeah. I, I appreciate that you, um, I appreciate that you don't stop. I know someday mm -hmm. you need to, and you will, because we're mm -hmm. all human beings, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate that. We die? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Word. I don't know, know how to do anything else. So this, Word. Is, what, this is it. Word, man. <laughs> well, yo, man. Um, oh, before I go, give me a book that, um, that either A, you think people should read right now, or B, just impacted you. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, well, since we're on the, uh, since we're on the, uh, you mentioned um, James Baldwin. Yeah. When, when white brothers and sisters ask me what to, what, like, what should I read? I always mm. say the fire next time. Mm. That's a really good one. That's I also great. really, I really love uh, Miles Davis' autobiography, too. You know, I've never read that, man. I need to. Oh, so I do a lot of audio books. Like, I'm partially blind, so it takes a long time right, for me right, to read, right. I read a physical book. But I do a lot of audio books. And then Kindle now, you can get books on Kindle and, the, like, the voice. The right, 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 right. Read it. But there's a, um, there's a, so, like, some audio books now, they have straight actors perform mm -hmm. them. Right, 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 right. I, I one have one like that. Guy, um, his name is Marcus Graham. I think his name is Marcus Graham. Mm. He's a, a, an actor. He narrates some of the Baldwin books, but he does uh, he does uh, uh, Miles Davis autobiography as Miles. So he like he does he does like a Miles oh. character when he's reading the book. It's so fire, man. It's really you can't really listen to it with your kids because it's Miles Davis, but <laughs> but it's dope though. Man. Okay. Okay. I mean, he goes into everything, his relationships, his views on music, other musicians, fashion, his life story, his fa he, he gets he talks about, you know, yeah, stuff about culture and race and music and all. It's just like it's like hanging out with Miles Davis. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go chop it and cop it. You know what I'm saying? So, That's man. Have a blessed one. Thank you for everything. And um, appreciate you making time to be on Bishop Chronicles in, in these times. Thank you for your wisdom and your music. And uh, yeah, you know, inshallah, once the, once the COVID kind of wherever it goes, uh, we will kick it proper. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right, man. We'll let him some love. 
teacher. What star is that? Listen to the Bishop Bravo. Bishop Bravo. You must learn. Rap, 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 rap